You know, they, they say, and it's true, we walk by faith and not by sight. And they say we walk by faith and not by feelings, and all that's true. It's true. But, you know, peace has a feeling. Love has a feeling. Joy has a feeling, right? So the reward of right choices is right feelings. So in your marriage and you're trying to feel in love, you got a problem because you get to feel in love after you choose to be in love. If you make the right choices, then the feelings of love follow. And it's like that in our walk with God. It's the same way that when you make the right decisions, the right feelings. We love feelings. You know, people, um, you know, they try to be spiritual. Like, I don't, I don't care about how I feel. You know, it's my, my faith. I get what they're saying. They don't think this is supposed to be emotional. But, you know, uh, people do what they do because they want to feel better. They eat. They <laughs> They take drugs. The stuff that people do, they just, they just want to feel better. And it hugely motivates us. Uh, you know, for me, I'm laying in bed on a day like today, and I'm thinking, the first thing that hits me, I wish I could say praise was the first thing that hit me, but not. It's coffee. The thought, you know, what was that phrase said? In waking up as folders in your cup. The best part of waking up as folders in your cup. The one thing that gets me up is I think, coffee, I get coffee. And the, knowing how it's going to feel, it gets me up. Because I, I don't even hardly drink the, the whole cup of coffee, but just the idea, of feeling motivates us. I mean, that's how we fall in love, you know. And it's, it's important because life is about joy. This is a feeling. Life is about love. Life is about peace. Life is about purpose. And uh, Jesus knows that. But it's important that we make the right choices, that we make the right decisions. And we've been talking about the blood of Jesus and what effect it has on us. Um, I better just, this thing was not made for this thing. What effect it has on us, and we've been talking about the blood. We, we talked about the, the blood of healing and the blood from the back of Jesus. So I want you to once again turn your... Um, this is kind of a supplemental teaching the last week because I felt the Holy Spirit say people still need peace. You know, I heard someone say, a mentor of mine said, uh, the teacher hasn't taught till the student has learned. Just because I gave a teaching doesn't mean you got it. I know most of the stuff in my life, I have to hear it about a million times. And then one day I'm like, you know what? I almost got that. Right? Because at first you're kind of nervous. You don't catch it at first because you're like, ah, what's he saying? Uh, but it, at some point, you, you have to settle in and, and get in a, a mindset to receive. And that's what I, I felt like the Lord wanted us to continue from last week a little bit. Because I really want you to be in peace. And God wants you to live in peace. You know, a chicken can't even lay an egg if it's not at peace. You get nervous, they can't even lay an egg. Like, I'm sorry. The master's like, give me an egg. Like, can't do it, can't do it. I'm under pressure. <laughs> so all the production in your life never comes from pressure, right? When the pressure goes down, the performance goes what? So pressure is not the key to success. Peace is the key to success. The ability to stay at peace and listen for the voice and, and obey what God is telling you to do. That's the secret. Isaiah 53, 5 talks about the blood that Jesus shed from his back. and We'll read a, a, a portion of it. It says this. He was pierced for our transgressions, and we talked about going over the line. You know, that we talked about it, it's one thing for Jesus to heal you for being sick, from being sick. It's a better thing not to get sick. And so the three root causes of sickness is, number one, bad choices. This is not just Bible. This is science. If you, doc, if you get sick, the doctor will say, stop eating that, stop smoking that, stop drinking that. Right? Because he knows bad choices make people sick. So you can pray for healing or you can say, God, change my nature. So we understand that the nature of Jesus is in the blood of Jesus. That's why we have communion because we understand our real problem is not in our choices. It's in our nature that gives us this instinct to do the wrong thing when we want to do the right thing. So we receive the nature of Christ. So instead of just asking for repentance of sin, we don't have to keep doing that same sin again because we don't want to do it anymore. Wouldn't that be much better? Well, it's much better to be healed than to get, to, to live healed than to get healed, right? To live in healing. And so it's much better to say, you know what? I've got to receive self-control. I've got to receive God's version of food. And I've got to get God in my choices about what I do because health is in those things. So this is science and the Bible. He was wounded for our transgressions. 
there is a wound that Jesus had so that you can stop doing the stuff you used to do. The stuff that's killing you, the stuff you're smoking, drinking, eating. There's a, there's a nature that says you don't have to keep crossing the line. You can just do the right thing. Even though your nature is saying, keep doing wrong, keep eating, keep drinking, keep doing that. Your nature is saying that, but God wants to put his nature in you. That's what the blood of Jesus is. It's not just forgiving you from all the dumb mistakes you made, but it's changing your nature so you don't want to do the stuff that hurts you anymore. Isn't that good news that Jesus does it all, right? But you've you got to be a receiver, though, right? You, you can't just listen. You've got to be a receiver. You've got to say, you know what? I've got to release my faith toward what the blood of Jesus did, not only to heal my body if I get sick, but to change my nature so that I can begin to want things that are good for me. I, I used a scripture from Psalms last week that says, uh, he satisfies my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. And we find out that your youth being renewed has to do with what goes in your mouth. Isn't it interesting that the first sin was an eating sin? Now, eating's not important. You know, Christians, you'd think there's no sin for Christians when it comes to eating. Like, uh, like the holiest people are at the all-you-can-eat buffet. You can tell by their hairdo and everything. They're staying there all night. They're just eating steady eating because they don't, Christians can't sin when it comes to eating. But the first sin was an eating sin, right? And the healing for that sin was something that we eat and drink, the blood of Jesus, and the body of Jesus. It's something that we eat and drink. The healing for that, uh, that wound that was in us from eating the wrong thing was eating the right thing. And God is saying something. What you put in your mouth tells us a lot about you. And it, you can't change, especially because you've lived this way, you've been handed this thing down, and you're, in essence, addicted to stuff. You know, whether it's sugar or carbs or whatever it is you're addicted to things that are many times people are addicted to the things that are bad for them and they repulsed by the things that are good to them that's a nature problem you're avoiding what makes you healthy and you're drawn to what makes you sick what the heck seems like you'd want to do what's good for you you, you know right that's why the number one selling book in america is a diet book the number two is a cookbook because we're crazy we just want to tell ourselves you need to quit, but we want to just keep doing whatever we want. That one of the saddest lies you'll ever hear people tell is, and this time, I'll keep it off. You're like, no, you won't. I've been watching this commercial. You still look the same. <laughs> don't get mad at me. It's teasing. But it's, it's important that you don't, you don't feel helpless against your nature. That you don't feel like, I mean, this is who I am. Well, that's how sin is. It makes you a slave. Instead of being helpless, say, you know what? I'm going to receive the nature of Christ so I don't want the things that are bad for me. I just lose a taste for things that are greasy and whatever. I just lose a taste for that stuff. And look, it's important to note that three times a year when God made a culture, three times a year they had feasts. I mean, they'd just throw it down three times a year. God said, okay, everybody stop working. We're going to have a huge feast three times a year. That's how God rolls. Look, at he's not stingy or mean or upset about having a good time. He's like, we're going to have a good time. Problem with America, you want to have a party every day. You want to go to the pizza buffet every day. Like, every day I just have a feast. God wants me to have a feast. No, he don't. Just three times a year. Go ahead and have a feast three times a year, but don't go every single day. And then we need to, because you get addicted to that, and it makes you sick. So we said the first uh, root cause of sickness that was healed by the blood of Jesus, he was wounded for our transgressions. In other words, he can stop you from crossing the line. He can stop you. You say, you know what? I just don't feel like eating it. I just lost my appetite. And then what was he? He was bruised for our what? Our iniquities. You can do something about iniquities. Iniquities is, a transgression is somebody made a mistake. An iniquity is the result of that mistake. It becomes something in the spiritual genetics. And iniquity, it means the twistedness of the fathers. He said, I will visit the iniquities of the fathers on the third and fourth generation. So if you don't deal with that twistedness and that bent toward, that lean toward, you might not be an alcoholic, but you are susceptible to becoming an alcoholic. This is also science. They don't know why, but children of alcoholics tend to be alcoholics. Why? They don't know why. It's a disease. It's not a disease. It's a sin. But it's a sin that's become an iniquity, and it acts like a disease. It behaves like a disease, and so they just call it a disease. It's in the brain. It's a, no, it's an iniquity. And God told you he was wounded for your transgression. He was bruised for your iniquities. 
In other words, God can deal with that that's below the surface that makes you do weird things that you don't even understand your own self. Stuff that has been passed down, sickness that's been passed down, high blood pressure, sickle cell anemia, cancer, all these things that are passed down from generation to generation, the blood of Jesus cancels all that. All those curses of divorce and immorality and illegitimacy and all those things that are past perversion, all those things that are past iniquity, twistedness, passed down, visited on generations. All of it was canceled at the cross. We read about that. And that should give you hope because you're not stuck with what's been passed down to you. And thank God if you change it, your children won't even have to deal with it. If you cancel at the cross, your children won't have that old depressing iniquity. Where you feel depressed every time something's not going right. That's not normal. That's something that was passed down. Your daddy had that. Your mom, grandma had that. And now you struggle with it and you think it's normal. It's not normal. It's passed down. And the blood of Jesus changes the bloodline. And so you're not going to get passed. An iniquity is canceled at the cross. How many think that's good news? That's a cause of sickness, right? Yes. It's, it's one of the base fundamental causes of sickness. That's why when you go to the doctor, they say, was your, was your daddy a diabetic? Was your uncle a whatever? They, they make you fill this out because they believe in what I'm saying. They know if they had it, you might have it because they know somehow it's in the genetics. They don't really know how, but they know it's somehow in the genetics somewhere. And I'm telling you because the Bible already told you it was an iniquity that's passed down. It wasn't conquered it's a sickness that wasn't conquered, a curse that wasn't conquered. But every curse is canceled at the cross. Come on, put those three C's together. Say, cancer is a curse that was canceled at the cross. Now say it like you mean it. Cancer is a curse that was canceled at the cross. Say it again. Now see, you need to get fired up about what God is saying before you get sick. Before you get hit with that fear and all that worry, you've got to be convicted. You've got to get a conviction that, you know what? Cancel. Cancer was canceled at the cross. Cancer is a curse. So all of these curses that were passed down that you have to check those boxes. I don't even like checking those boxes. I want to write it in like, okay, it's true my mom and them had that, but I went to the cross and the blood of Jesus canceled it and I started a whole new generation and my kids are not going to have mental illness. My kids are not going to have schizophrenia. My kids are not going to deal with depression or suicidal thoughts. They're not going to have to deal with it because we're going to stop it right here. We're going to cancel it right here. Jesus paid the price for it and I'm applying it to my family. Man, come on, you ought to give God praise. Is that awesome? It is. And the, the third root cause, which is also science, third root cause of sickness is the chastisement for our peace was upon him. Now, I love the way this version says it. It says this, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. In other words, he paid a price for your peace. In other words, you don't have to work this out in your head and figure it out and be stressed out all the time. You just need to just accept that there was somebody paid for that, that you don't have to be stressed ever again. Now, you, some of you don't even believe me right now. Like he just said it, but I don't believe it. You don't ever have to be stressed again. I should say stressed needlessly. Like if you're in the woods and a, a boar, a wild boar starts to attack you, you're going to feel stressed. Even if you're a Christian, you're going to feel stressed. <laughs> Your adrenaline's going to start pumping. But, but some of you, nothing's coming, but you're freaking out. Nothing's happening, but you're stressed. And you live with a low level of stress. 75 to 85% of all illnesses are connected directly, are psychosomatic. The psycho on the soma, meaning that your mind is making your body sick. That's, that's a huge percentage of any sickness you'll ever face has to do with your ability or inability to manage stress. Living with fear and anxiety and worry. Jesus said, don't do it at all. The scripture Bray read, don't ever do that. Don't worry about anything. But I, no, you don't have to. Because he, the, the punishment of carrying fear and carrying stress was paid for at the cross. Jesus, not, and then it says, and by his stripes we're healed. So he healed us with his stripes, but he shed blood so that our nature could avoid these things that make us sick. Are you with me? 
So everybody, when it comes down to something basic in life, like when Paul wrote in the New Testament, he would say, grace and peace from, from the Lord Jesus Christ be unto you. The peace of the Lord Jesus. They, would, they were so convicted that to have a good life, you had to have peace. It's at the end of all the books in the New Testament, just about. It's a peace, grace and peace to you because we understand that to be happy in life is not having stuff. It's not having uh, no problems, double negative. But, it, but being happy in life has to do with Jesus being there, right? So, so right, peace, peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of Jesus. Say it with me. Say peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of Jesus. Isn't it true? Now, I was a policeman, and they call policemen peacekeepers, a peacekeeper. And because they go for that scripture, blessed are the peacekeepers. Did you know you have to be a peacekeeper? A peacekeeper is one who sees both sides and settles the matter and resolves the dispute. When they would call me a peacekeeper, I'd show up, and there would be a fight between people, and I'd see, okay, who's breaking the law? I'd just try to get them to be peaceful so I can go and eat a donut. I'd be like, can you just forget about this thing? 90% of problems are just people that freaked out, got angry, and then they love each other later. So it was, it was important because the peacekeeper comes in and says, is there a problem? How many know that's what policemen always ask? Is there a problem, ma'am? Because if something's, they call it what? Disturbing the? Ah, have you ever had your peace disturbed? It's an actual law in the books called disturbing the peace. The devil came up with that. Way before it was out there in the public, the devil was disturbing your peace a long time ago. And something is coming before this day is out probably to disturb your peace. You're going to be looking like, oh, Jesus, this is awesome. So glad I went to church. This is a girl, obviously. <laughs> I'm so glad I went to church. It's so great. Thank God for your peace. It's so awesome. About that time, you know, something's going to happen. A kid is going to do something, something crazy. Someone's going to pull in front of you. Something's going to happen. And then you're going to have the opportunity to find out if you're a peacekeeper or if you're just somebody who likes to visit peace every now and then. So the question is, is the Holy Spirit the peacekeeper? See, well, you know, the Holy Spirit's the peacekeeper. No, he's not. He's the peace. You got to keep the Holy Spirit. You can offend the Holy Spirit. You can make bad choices. The Holy Spirit, like, I ain't playing that. I'm not in all that. Y'all, go, you go ahead. You're on your own. When you get like that, you're on your own. If you want the Holy Spirit, see, the Holy Spirit's not responsible for your peace. You, you, the peacekeeper is your spirit under the powerful influence of truth. Not religion, not scriptures that you memorize at church. But you keep the peace because you have the powerful influence of truth in your life. You're able to look at something and say, this is what it is and this is what it isn't. You're able to step back and be a peacekeeper and say, okay, this is the problem. Okay, let me straighten this out. Problems are going to come, but you're going to have to decide, are you a peacekeeper or are you just, it's just chaos in your brain? Chaos in your emotions or you're going to have a peacekeeper come in and say, hey, easy, 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 easy. Hold up. Y'all probably be quiet for a second. Okay, what happened here? And that process of counseling yourself and say, okay, why am I feeling this way? Wait a second. Why am I so angry? Why am I so bitter? Why am I so agitated? Why am I so afraid? This counseling is what God tells us. You got to counsel yourself. You got to be responsible for what's going on inside your head. You can't control what's around you, but you can control what's inside your head. This is your responsibility. God won't do it for you. God's not going to brush your teeth. Tell someone else, you. God won't brush your teeth for you. There might be people that complain around you at church. And God might try to influence you to brush your teeth with a brother that's next to you. Like, dude, did you brush your teeth? I mean, everybody's like, I'm feeling insecure now. Don't. It's okay. But God's not going to do that for you. He's going to influence you to do it. And everything that's inside your head, God won't come in and make it all go away. You're going to have to make the right choice. You're going to have to say, I'm a peacekeeper. God teaches me how to keep the peace. And I'm going to go in with authority, and I'm going to set this straight. I'm not going to live in fear. I'm not going to live in worry. I'm not going to live in anxiety. You know, most people who do drugs, and especially people who smoke cigarettes, they try to quit smoking cigarettes, but they don't give up their stress. The cigarettes are making you feel relaxed. You won't need them when you, lose the, when you gain peace. 
When you get the peace of Jesus, you're like, I don't even need this cigarette. Because all it does is it calms you down. That's how people, why people drink. Because they need to feel better. And see, all sin is trying to get your needs met outside of God's will. You're like, I'll handle this myself. That's why people, see, you can't take a pill and call it peace. You can't drink a drink and drink peace. It'll be peace for a minute, and then it's going to bite you like a snake. Everything that you put in God's place is going to be a problem. It's idolatry in essence. If you put sex in the place of peace, you're going to have serious problems. You got to put all these things in their right place and let trust God to bring the peace. Uh, most addiction is based on people who can't get peaceful. You, I mean, I deal with all kinds of, uh, in my life, I've dealt with lots of uh, drug rehab type situations and people who have struggled. Uh, you'll see people give up heroin, but they won't give up cigarettes because they don't mind not killing themselves, but they can't deal with the stress. They haven't got to the root of the problem. The root of the problem is you're freaking out all the time. You're nervous about everything. And you won't need it. When you get right, when you get a peacekeeper inside of you, you won't need all that stuff to make you feel better, and you'll just throw it away. I love this scripture. You can read this. I'm going to teach you all how to be great counselors. You can be a great Christian counselor if you just know one scripture, and here it is. Philippians 4, 6 through 9. Be anxious for nothing. This is King James. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, listen, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And that word in the Greek, will guard, that means will set a garrison, will set peacekeepers around your heart and your mind. That if you just do what God said, and you just pray about it instead of worrying about it, God's going to set some guards. Look at somebody say, he's about to set some guards. See, what are, what are guards but peacekeepers, right? They're keeping something out. He said he was going to set a garrison, as mother actually says. He'll set a garrison around your heart and your minds through Christ Jesus. Now listen, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, do it. And the God, the God of peace will be with you. You know, I, I just want you to understand something. If you're a leader, if you're a over a business, or if you're over a family, or if you're over a ministry, people are receiving, hearing, and seeing things. And they're just imitating. If your kids are wild, are you wild? Because you can't tell them to act right. You don't act right. You can't act them. Don't be stressed, but you're stressed all the time, right? What you're doing is a lot louder than what you're saying, and so he said, the things, that you, remember just the things you saw me do when everything was coming against me. Remember how I reacted? Do that. And the God of peace is going to take care of you. That you need to understand you got to imitate this to become, it's a skill that you develop. And if you want to be a great counselor, understand this. Now, I want to read it in the Passion Bible because it's powerful. It's powerful in both, both versions, but I like the way the Passion Bible breaks it down. Here we go. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. You just kind of chill on that for a second. Don't be pulled in different directions and worry. God is saying that to you. Pulled in different directions and worried about a thing. Don't worry about a thing. Stevie Wonder said it. Be, be saturated in prayer throughout each day. Offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitudes. Tell Him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. Love this. So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God. 
praising him always. Follow the example of all we have imparted to you, and the God of peace will be with you in all things. Now we see something simple, and I'm going to break it down, then we'll pray. There's two things you have to remember if you want to live in peace continually. Number one, don't worry, pray. Don't worry, pray. Don't worry, pray. Number two, keep a vigilant watch over your thoughts. That's all there is to it. See, it's not complicated, but it's not easy. It's actually simple. It's like saying, if you want to lose weight, all you have to do is exercise and eat less. Oh, thank you very much. That's what every book I ever read said. (laughs) But that's not really helping me because I do understand it, but I don't really get it. Are you with me? So this is a simple thing. He says, stop worrying and start praying. Secondly, be vigilant over every single one of your thoughts. And let's just break that down for a second because we can find some guards here that God is going to give you. Transforming the problem into prayer. Listen, write this down. You cannot pray and worry. You can pray or worry. Now, I didn't say that. God said it. You can't pray and worry. You can pray or worry. You get to choose. Either you're worried or you're praying. I didn't say it. God said it. So then you can say it this way. If you're praying, you're not worrying. If you're worrying, you're not praying. I'll say it again. If you're worrying, you're not praying. If you're praying, you're not worrying. Because they are mutually exclusive. When someone says, I'm panicking, I'm freaking out, man. I'm saying, are you praying? Kind of, not really. (laughs) Because even if they say they are, it's one of those prayers, you know, like they're kind of thinking on the way to church. God help me, God help me, God help me. What? This is their prayer. But you make a request and you say, God, this is what's happening. I'm giving it to you. It works. Prayer always works, but you have to work at praying. You can't be lazy about it. It's so important because your peace and your health is all depending on whether you just do these things that God told you to do. He said, listen, stop worrying and start praying. Are you going to do it? I'm thinking about it. Do it. Don't go to the doctor. He gives you medicine. He's like, I ain't taking it. God gave you the medicine to stop worrying. Start praying. You can manage every situation by just saying, I'm going to pray about it first. I'm going to get the victory over this by putting my problem on the backdrop of God. Right? The problem's big until you see how big God is. And when you see how big God is, your problem becomes small. Like, oh, we got this. But you got to get yourself in that we got this place and stop stressing. Actually, a worried mind will insult prayer. It'll say, you can't help me. And a worried mind will rebel against prayer and say, you can't make me pray. It'll just bow up at God because that's what a worried spirit is. Don't tell me what to do. I got this. And you either do it or you don't. But I can promise you, whatever you're worried about, if you pray about it, open up your mouth and tell God about it, you're going to find out suddenly peace comes over you. Like coming down without a sound. Jesus' peace comes. Peace is not the result of your circumstances, but the thoughts you choose to dwell on regardless of your circumstances. I'm going to say it again. Peace is not the result of your circumstances, but the thoughts you choose to dwell on regardless of your circumstances. Peace is the Holy Spirit-controlled way of thinking. Now listen, you cannot just not think about upsetting things. That's what people try to do. Okay, like Pastor Ray said, uh, you know, I hate my, my brother-in-law. I hate him, I hate him, I hate him. Okay, I'm just not going to think that. I'm not going to think that. I'm just not going to think that. And you're thinking like, I'm still thinking it. Pastor Ray lied. It's not working. Because I'm trying, to, he's trying not to think. He told me not to think. I'm not going to think these ugly, dirty, nasty, mean corrupt thoughts. I'm just not going to think them. That's just what the Bible says. The Bible never said don't think, stop thinking mean things. That might be what you hear me saying, but that's not what it said. It says that this is an important principle. Upsetting thoughts must be consciously and continually replaced by healthy thoughts. That's different than not thinking. Have you ever tried to go to sleep? Like you know you got to test the next day and you're like, you got to go to sleep. You got to go to sleep. And then you like talk yourself like sleep, man, sleep. Are you, are you an idiot? Just go to sleep. Why are you thinking about it? I can't, I can't. You get in this like turmoil and you get, you stir up so much uh, adrenaline 
trying to go to sleep. You're, it's 2 o'clock and you're still awake. You, you have now got yourself all wired up trying to go to sleep. The thing about going to sleep, you got to think about something peaceful. Remember they used to say count uh, sheep? Because you can't not think. This is an idiotic exercise. I'm just not going to think. That's not going to happen. You won't think anything that run it. You got to deliberately say, I'm going to think about something peaceful. You'll fall asleep. And suddenly you'll be not thinking. But you can't just choose not to think. It's an important concept in peace. Write this down. Opposite thoughts replace one another. Opposite thoughts replace one another. You can't get rid of fear until you put faith there. Fear will just be there. <laughs> Stop. Well, I can't stop thinking my kids are going to get in a wreck. Yes, you can. Start thinking that your kids are going to be at home safe. And God's, you have, start thinking your kids have angels watching over them. I keep worrying that my kids are going to hell. My kids are going to hell. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Stop worrying that your kids are going to hell. Just start thinking about your kids being in the ministry, winning souls. And that's how you see it. And you start imagining it the way, and then suddenly peace starts guarding your heart and your mind. You have to consciously and continually uh, replace those it agitating thoughts with God's thought. That's what the scripture teaches us. Confusion is trying to hold two opposite thoughts at the same time. Confuse. They won't fuse. You can't say Jesus is Lord and I'm freaking out at the same time. That's called confusion. Either Jesus is Lord or you're freaking out. But if Jesus is Lord, everything's going to be all right. He's got the end plan from the beginning. All these things are working together for your good. It's going to work out. Everything's going to come out. I don't care how it happens. God's going to make it come out awesome at the end. Now, either you believe that or you don't. Well, you know, sometimes bad. Okay, easy. See, you're getting confused. Confusion is trying to keep two opposite thoughts at the same time. It's miserable. It will wear you out being confused. That's why the enemy comes with doubt to try to counteract faith. You know he ain't going to do that. Suddenly you go into confusion. You can't trust. He was talking about giving your tithe. You can't trust God with your tithe. Boom. You work clear. Now you're in confusion. Because you can't keep two opposite thoughts at the same time. It's one or the other. One replaces the other. Are you, are you guys okay with this? Well, it's all true. It's going to really help you. It really will. That's why I said that last week, Jesus, when the Pharisees threw the woman caught in adultery, threw him down to test him in front of him and said, Moses said, stoner, what do you say? And Jesus said, he wrote on the ground and said, your problem ain't my problem. Your crisis is not my crisis. Matter of fact, I'm just going to ignore you until God tells me what to do. Some of you need to stop reacting and start responding. Just give yourself, wait, you don't have to get right back on the phone. You don't have to send a text back right now. I just hate you too. I mean, it's dumb to say something, but then to write it down and it's there for everybody to see forever, that's double dumb. Like, just don't do it. <laughs> you can't, you know, if someone sends you something mean or you see something on Facebook, something that makes you mad, you need to stop and write on the ground for a second. That, social media has messed people up because you can respond too quick. You need to just chill on that for a minute and stop thinking about what you, oh, I'll tell you what I'm going to say. I've been wanting to say it. Now I'm going to say it and I can put it just how I want it. You can, all right, well, you can go ahead and do that, but do not push sin. This is just a little hint for your pleasure. You can say whatever mean thing you want to say, but don't push sin because you'll be sorry when you do. You got to wait till God gives you the right answer. There's your answer, which is idiotic, and it's going to cause you more stress and trouble. You're going to have relationship problems because of it. There's your answer. Then there's the God answer that says, you know what? I love you, period. And then you, walk, then you drop the mic. And the other person's like, hey, what are you saying? You're spiritual? Yes, more than you. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. I'm out. Peace out. Three hearts. Pop, up, up. <laughs> Live with it, bro. Live with that. You said it, and I got out before you got out. <laughs> so God sets a guard, and I want to say these last things before we go because I want you to write them down. These are not just words that God is frivolously saying, these are the guards that God gives you. Number one, I won't preach them, I'll just give them to you. Number one, set, fix your mind. This is not it yet. Fix your mind. Fix your mind. In other words, get it in this gear. 
Get it, fix it. Fix your mind. See, your peace is determined on your ability to fix your mind. Fix your mind. At the end of this uh, passage, it it uses the word meditate on these things. And meditate means to practice until it becomes natural. The word meditate just means to stay with it. It's not going to be easy at first, but thinking the right thing, you're going to have to work this deal. And when you work it, suddenly you're going to be a different person because you no longer are living in that stress and that fear. Because you're fixing it. You say, I don't think that way. You think that way. I don't think that way. Everything's always working out for me. Everything's always, uh, the blessing has always overtaken me. I don't care what it looks like. So here it is, number one. What's real? Fix your mind on what is real and authentic. Fix your mind on what's real and authentic. You say, what does that mean? Well, King James says, uh, cast it down, imaginations and speculations. You know, most people's problems is something they're imagining. I know he don't like me. I saw him at church. He don't like me. I saw him. Oh, he thinks I'm spiritual. I know what I took his parking place. I know what it is. Well, that's a fine thing to do. He comes to church and, and he don't, he's all upset because someone's, look, you're just imagining all this stuff. And the guy's like, oh, I just had a stomachache. Like, oh, I thought you hated me. You imagine more trouble than it's real. You look at something and you got it all worked up. You got yourself, oh, you ready to kill somebody? You're ready to cut somebody out and they didn't even think about you for six weeks. They don't even know you exist. And you're mad. Like, I know why they didn't come back to cell group. I know. You don't know anything. Your problem is you don't know what's real and authentic. You can't separate the foolishness of your imagination from what's real. If you want to get around some people that are really messed up, I know you don't, but it might be you. I'm teasing. But, you know, it's people who can invent their own reality. You can't resolve something because they'll just come up with a whole new story. It's like Star Trek. They just invent a whole other story. Remember when you cussed me out? Like, I did softly say you were wrong. Yeah, you cussed me out like that. No, man, I did. I've, you know, I had an aunt tell me, remember when you cussed me out? I was like, I really want to get along with you, but that's a lie. But people can make up stories. The enemy's territory is vain imaginations and speculations. And a lot of people's lack of peace is, I saw the boss. He wouldn't even look at me. He wouldn't even look at me. So, so, you know, some people even get mad at me. I try to come in early and hug people, you know, to church. Sometimes if I go on the outside instead of the inside, they're like, oh, oh, it's going to be like that. Oh, you walking on the outside now because, like, oh, I was in. Now I'm out. I'm like, hey, the only problem is I didn't get to hug those people over there. I was just trying to hug them. Like, "Uh uh-huh, I know what's real. (laughs) You don't know what's real. Think the best in people. Believe the best. You're going to be right more times than you're not and say, you know what? It's nothing. They had a stomach ache. It's nothing. It's nothing weird. They still love me. I told you the story. There was a lady at church a long, long time ago. She used to tell me. She had counseling appointments, and we said, look, my whole problem is this. I said, what? You don't like me. I'm like, seriously, I, I do like you. So let me just pray for her. Give me, I'm going to give you a hug. Come here, give you a hug. Okay, I like you. Okay, and a counseling appointment. So after about three or four of those things, after the fourth time, she said, my problem, I still have the same problem. You don't like me. I was like, you know what? You're starting to be right. <laughs> you prophesying. We didn't have a problem, but now I'm really starting to not like you because you're so convinced I don't like you. You made something out of nothing. You created it with your imagination. And some people in their marriage do that. I can tell you don't love me like he, you used to love me. Okay, well, now you're just imagining stuff. And your husband's saying, like, I'm just doing the same thing. Yeah, but I can feel it. Oh, you can't feel it? You just, you just start in trouble. Hey, if he didn't tell you he doesn't love you, he still does. He's just weird. But he still loves you. He still loves you. Don't get crazy. Don't lose your mind. And especially in a romance, people lose their mind. They can't think. Like, ah, I can tell. I can tell by that text, that last word, goodbye. Oh, I know what he meant by goodbye. You knew that was a permanent. He, he could have said, he could have said bye, but he said goodbye. You know what that means. Do <laughs> you know how dumb you sound? And look, you had peace until you started thinking through what the deal was. Some people lead the cell group, and after the cell group, like, it was a terrible cell group. I'm a terrible person. It was the devil. And they go through it. And then, then someone calls and says, that was the best cell group ever. And they're like, really? 
I was just punishing myself to death. <laughs> and you're like, why do you do that to yourself? Why do you always condemn yourself and criticize yourself and invent things, invent reasons? Look, whatever is true and authentic, if, it's not, if you don't know it to be a fact, don't worry about it. Believe the best in your family. Don't think you know what you don't know. That's where trouble comes. Believe the best in your friends, in your pastor. Believe the best in your, in your nation. Believe, it's easy. All these people are easy targets. But if you want to have the peace of God, you've got to say, you know what? I'm believing the best till it's proved otherwise. Innocent till proven guilty. I'm just going to believe the best. And I'm not going to let imaginations rule my life. Now, I took more time on that one because I think it's first in line because people just have a difficulty being real and admitting they're wrong when they are wrong. And you know what? You just, it's one of the reasons God gets men to get married because we just wrong all the time. You just get used to it after a while. That's just one reason. But, you know, sometimes when we, we know we're, we're wrong, we try to invent why other people did it and why it was their fault. That's all imaginations and it's all messing you up. Look, be a person who can have a clear conscience to everybody that you know because you talked good about them behind their back. Because you believe the best in them. And if they turn out to be a scoundrel, so what? It, you didn't get caught up in all that and you didn't worry about it. What's real? Number two, what's honorable and admirable? Fix your mind on what's honorable and admirable. Here's a guard. Is the way I'm thinking honorable? The word honor means establishing God's order in your thinking. Establishing God, giving people their right place. A critical spirit tears people down. It finds fault with people. And say, is this thought honorable? Is this giving people their rightful place in my life? Is this an honorable thought? Is it admirable? Is this showing admiration? See, this is a question, and here's, here's, a, my, here's my point. Conquering a dishonorable, dis, excuse me, conquering dishonorable thoughts requires continual thoughts that are honorable and admirable. If you get a negative attitude, the only way to fix it is to start thinking positive things. Start thinking the opposite, honorable thoughts. Admirable thoughts. Start admiring that people, that person that bothered you, that one that brought the conflict in your life. Number three, what's beautiful and respectful. I love that. If you have ugly, disrespectful thoughts, the only way to get rid of them is say, you know what? I'm going to fix my mind on what's beautiful. You know, everybody in this room, look at somebody next to you and say, you're beautiful. Just go ahead and say it, even if you had to kind of almost make it up. I'm just teasing. <laughs> no, everybody's beautiful. Everybody, there's some, there's, there's some beauty in everything. You know, my favorite phrase between my wife and my children and I, no matter what's going on, I always say, and they learned this from me, and I learned from them. I always say, you know, the good thing is, like, I, I'm an I'm a expert. I say, you know what? This whole thing's horrible. But you know, the good thing is, you need to find something beautiful. God has given you a beautiful life. He's given you a beautiful country, a beautiful opportunity. You have beautiful health. You have beautiful opportunities. There's always a reason to see something beautiful. And you can't get rid of ugly thoughts with ugly thoughts. You can only get rid of an ugly thought with a beautiful thought. You can't get rid of a disrespectful thought with disrespect. You can only get rid of disrespectful thoughts with respect. This is a guard around your mind. Number four, what's pure and holy. Fix your mind on what's pure and holy. I'm having these terrible thoughts. And I don't want to have these terrible thoughts. I'm having these terrible, dirty thoughts. I'm having these horrible thoughts. I'm having these terrible thoughts. Well, here's what you got to do. Think on something pure. Start thinking how beautiful children are. Start thinking about how beautiful, how good God's been to you. Start thinking pure things. Because the only way to get rid of that nastiness is to put something pure in there. So, look, you don't go take a bath in an old dirty bathtub of water. 
You want to take a bath, you want that water to be clean. And you got to put something clean to wash that out. Wash it out. Don't embrace those kind of things that are not holy. The unclean, unholy thoughts can only be replaced by continual, holy, clean, and pure thoughts. I'm having thoughts of defeat. The only way to get rid of a thought of defeat is a thought of victory. That's the only way to get rid of it. These are the guards. And my la- the last one is this. What's merciful and kind. I love this. Whatever is merciful and kind, fix your mind on it. You always have a choice. You can be merciful and kind, or you can be mean. And you can be harsh with people in situations. you got to fix your mind on what's the merciful thing to do. Right? I mean, think about, I don't know, if you have kids... You know, you almost can't resist. When they say they're sorry, even if they don't, you can feel mercy coming up. You're like, I don't want to think angry thoughts about my children. I want to think merciful thoughts. Am I right about it? I don't want to think, I don't want to think unkind thoughts about my friends. I want to think kind thoughts. And hey, call me crazy, but I'm crazy for Jesus. And I've got this in my mind, these guards in my mind. I'm not going to be mean. I'm not going to be ugly. I'm not going to be unmerciful. I'm not going to be unforgiving. I've got these guards in my mind. I've set them around my mind. I've fixed my thoughts on these things. And these things are keeping the peace of God in my life. Are you with me? Judgmental, angry thoughts can only be replaced by merciful, kind thoughts. You say, Pastor Ray, that sounds difficult. It's not. Fasten your thoughts. Meditate. You have to retrain your mind to think the thoughts of peace. If you want to live healthy and stress-free, you got to do two things. You got to pray and not worry. You got to fix your thoughts on these guards that God puts around your mind. Now, I want to pray for you today. Are you okay? Because I know this is not one of those uh, foot-stomping messages. But here's the deal. If you don't do this, you get to be the way you've been the, the, your whole life. If you do this, everything's about to change. I mean, this is, you got to decide. I, of all the people in this room, are you the one that says, you know, I'm putting this into practice. No more worrying for me. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to begin to set those guards around my mind. I'm going to ask those questions. What's merciful? What's good? What's pure? What's holy? And I'm going to begin to see people through the lens of God's love. I'm going to begin to see situations through the lens of God's faithfulness. I'm going to begin to see my vision and my dream and my business and whatever it is. I'm going to begin to see it through the lens of God's abundance. I'm not going to look at the problem. I'm going to look beyond the problem. I'm not going to say how it is. I'm going to say how it's going to be. I'm not going to dwell on what my problems were or my past or what I'm doing right now. I'm going to dwell on who I'm going to be and what God promised me. Are you with me? Now, this is an exercise. And you've got to meditate and you've got to work it. I can say you can have sweet Jesus peace. I want you to have it. But you can have it for a minute but then lose it. You've got to make your mind up. I'm putting guards around my mind. I'm I'm fixing my mind on what's pure and lovely and kind and honorable. All right? This is today, this is like God's classroom. And you got to learn this. Because God wants to remove the stress from your life. Come on, stand up with me. And if you don't mind, I want you to just lift your hands. I want you to breathe in. Now I want you to breathe out and let all the stress go from your life. You don't have to be stressed. Now pray a simple prayer with me. Say, in the name of Jesus, and because of his promise, I renounce stress, worry, and fear from my life. Come on, let it go. It's not your friend. It's not producing anything for you. It's diminishing who you are. It's stealing your creativity. It's stealing the right ideas. It's stealing the right decisions. Come on, say it with me. Say, in Jesus' name, I identify stress, fear, worry, 
That's my enemy. I renounce it. And I separate myself from it. And in the name of Jesus, I make a declaration. My life is free of stress. My life is free of worry. Because of the blood of Jesus, I don't have the nature to worry. I don't have the nature to be stressed. I have the nature of faith. I have the nature of conquest. I have the nature of victory. The nature of Jesus is inside of me. And whatever comes against me, what is inside of me is greater. What's in me is greater than anything that comes against me. Today, I set my mind in agreement with His promises, with His blood, with His truth. And I renounce the spirit of fear, the spirit of worry. And in Jesus' name, I bring the family curse of sickness, stress, failure, worry, depression. I bring the family curse to the cross and I nail it there. And I declare and I decree that the blood from the back of Jesus has paid the price, has broken the curse, and has canceled my debt. I'm free to live stress-free. Come on, lift your hands right now. Just declare it over your life. No more, no more, no more, no more. You're going to have more energy than you ever had. You're going to sleep better than you ever slept. After that, you're going to say, I don't know what happened, but on Sunday, I switched over. I switched over. I stopped being stressed and worried and sad, and I started coming into the joy of the Lord. I started seeing it the way God sees it. Something new is beginning in my life. Something new is beginning in my spirit. Something new is beginning in my family. Something new is beginning in in, in my finances. Something new is beginning in my business. Something new is beginning in my marriage. Everything is changing because what's inside of my head is changing. I've made a decision. I'm going to guard my mind with the word of God, with the guards of truth. Come on, Jesus.